You know, we had talked about, uh, we started talking about patience a couple weeks ago, then we, you know, uh, uh, talked about patience a little bit more last week, and now we're looking at the price of patience. And the price of patience is never quit. Never quit. That's what you've got to pay for patience to finish her work or its work. The work of patience is to deliver a complete package of God's will, that is God's purpose, in and for our lives. So patience has a work. In James chapter 1, from verse 3 to 4, the Bible tells us what the work of patience, about the work of patience. It says patience has a work to do in us. And I talked about that last week. That patience is building us and making us like Christ and doing what God wants done in our lives for his glory. The set price for a complete package is to never quit. That's the set price. So if patience were being sold in the store and you went into the store to buy patience, the price for patience would be never quit. Don't quit. That would be the price. Then you have to leave and go back and continue waiting upon the Lord, doing what God wants you to do no matter the circumstance until the results come through. So the set price for a complete package is to never quit. In Job chapter 13 verse 15, Job said something. In the New King James Version is rendered this way. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Say that with me. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In the, yeah. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. But look at the A part there. He says, even if God were to slay him, if God were to put a knife to his throat, he would still trust in the Lord. It's like Abraham being asked to sacrifice Isaac. He was willing to go that far because he knew that the God who could perform the miracle of Isaac being born at 100 years of age can do anything. Hallelujah. So the, the price of, uh, for a complete package is to never quit. Paul says in Acts, he, 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 he writes, or he, uh, the, the Luke writes about this, he, this uh, Luke gives the account of what happened in Paul's life. Paul says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So there is a heavenly vision. You see, that's why I asked David to sing that line again, over and over again. Um, you know, uh, uh, from my mother's womb, you have chosen me. So God chose you from when you were in your mother's womb. If that's the case, then God knows that there's a beginning and an ending to your story. He knows that you are going to pass certain paths. He knows that you are going to meet certain people. He has arranged all kinds of things in your story. And as you travel along, God has it planned. God has it taken care of. So the, 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 uh, it's very important for us to understand that because there is a heavenly vision, there is an assignment. If you don't know what it is, find out. And by the way, it's a process. One assignment leads to the other, which leads to the other, which leads to the other. But we have to be committed and faithful to what God has called us to do. And it also, uh, we, we, we have to be faithful when it comes to family life. How God wants us to run our families. How God wants us to raise our children. How God wants us to relate with other people, our neighbors. These are all things where we have to be faithful. The Christian life is not, it's, it, it involves work. We have to be intentional to be faithful. So the set price, like I said, is for a complete package is to never quit. Somebody say never quit. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit. 
Don't forget that I said that the work of patience, the first point, was that the work of patience is to deliver a complete package of God's purpose in and for and through our lives. God wants to, uh, there is a package of what you look like, what God saw before he called you into his kingdom. What God saw when he was washing you from all that sin by the blood of Jesus and making you his child, his son, his daughter. God already had a picture of where you are going. Some of us have that picture. Some of us have part of the picture. Some of us do not even know what it looks like. But as we press into God, he will give us a better understanding of what our future is like in him. He desires to show you. He wants you to understand that. It's his good pleasure to give you insight, to give you, uh, you know, to, to cause you to see beyond today. In fact, the Holy Spirit was given for one reason, uh, for several reasons. One of the reasons is that he would guide us into all truth. He would show us things to come. Very important. We see in Abraham's life, in Caleb's life, in Joshua's life, these are all Bible examples. For those of you who are conversant with the Bible, you would find that a man, and those who are not, I would say it now, Abraham was in the Bible. God gave him a promise at the age of 75. He didn't get it. It didn't happen until he was 100 years of age. When he was past bearing, that's when God gave him the promise. When he couldn't have children. And then when he was way at, at about 100 years old, when it was, I mean, and even Sarah also could not have had children except by God's intervention. The Bible says in Romans 4 that he did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He just believed God and it was accounted to him for faith. He believed God. And he held on to it. He patiently waited for 25 years until what God spoke came to pass. Abraham, Caleb, Joshua, Jesus the Christ were examples from the Bible of people who I would call never quitters. Say that, never quitters. Who against all and some embarrassing odds paid the price and received a complete package. These guys, these people, even our Lord counted amongst them the apostle, the chief apostle of our faith. The author and finisher of our faith. He also went through it. All right. He was patient. The Bible says that he despised the shame of the cross. He endured the pain. He endured the trauma. He endured the ups and downs, the vicissitudes of having to be a leader. He went through all of that. Not just any kind of leader, but a very unique one at that. Who was telling the people, look at me. I am from heaven. And they say, you must be mad. But look at that message is still strong today. Saving people like what we heard today. I, I talk about embarrassing odds because if you read John chapter 6, recently I was studying again. The Lord led me back there. You know, I woke up this morning and I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to go back to John chapter 6. And I saw how Jesus had raised a crowd of followers. He had 12 who were apostles who were his uh, designated uh, assistants and lieutenants. Okay. And these guys, he invested so much in them. And they were to now lead the others. The Bible tells us in John chapter 6 that all the crowd, the Bible doesn't tell us the number, but I think that there were a couple thousand people. They all left. There could have been less than five to 10,000 people. By then, Jesus was running a mega church ministry. They all left, remaining the 12. He turned to the 12, he says, will you also go away? They said, no, where will we go? You are the one that had the words of eternal life. I want you to note that between John chapter 6 and John chapter 8, Jesus had not been able to put a crowd together. He had the 12. He was still working with the 12. But the Pharisees were at every turn. They tried to frustrate him. At every turn. They tried to frustrate him. 
You get to John, not only that, his own brothers. In John chapter 7, the Bible says that his brother said to him, look, you, why are you hiding in the house? If you have a gift, go out, let the people see you. They did not believe in him. They did not believe in him. That's At that time, at that time, I don't even know, maybe they were jealous, maybe family, uh, sibling, sibling rivalry, I don't know. But the Bible says that they were, it was almost like they were mocking him because what had happened in John chapter 6, they saw it. Look at all the people following you have now left. Your ministry has failed. Your ministry has collapsed. But at that time, Jesus went back and he was, what did he do? The Bible says in John chapter 8, he went up the mountain and in the morning he returned. Well, before then, chapter 7, he got up in the place where there was a lot of people and said, Whosoever believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He said that so loud in a place where everybody would hear. He was advertising the truth again, presenting the truth again. Say, look at me. I've come to, in spite of the failure, what looked like failure, what looked like failure. He still looked for a crowd of people at a feast. The Bible says on that great day of the feast, he got up and he declared, John chapter 7, and he said, whosoever believes in me. What was he looking for? He was looking to save people. Same human beings who had disappointed him earlier on. Maybe this was a completely different group, but he was looking for people. You see, that's the interesting thing. That if God has given you an assignment, if God has given us a job to do, if God has given you a business, called you into a certain trade, into a profession, and things are not going the way that you thought, it, you know, you expected, and things are tough and difficult, you know, you don't give up. If you have to change a profession or change job, you still don't give up on yourself. Don't think that you are done just because it didn't work here. It might work over here or over here. God has a place for you for your breakthrough. There's a day, there's a miracle attached to your name, attached to your person. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So Abraham, Caleb, and Joshua, uh, Jesus and all this, they, had, they, they were never quitters. Caleb was the one who silenced the people when they were crying. And, and you know, he and Joshua said, no, 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 no. You know, they were part of the spies who Moses sent to go and spy out the promised land. Well, let's look at an example of uh, a never quitter. I call him the never quitter Caleb. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 25 to 33. I'd like us to read that. Numbers 13, 25 to 33. Uh, so let's, let's read together, everybody. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. This should be an encouragement. There's fruit in the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Everything God said, it's true. All right. But here's a problem. Nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That's the descendant of giants. The land is exactly what God said it will be. <laughs> there's fruit, there's milk, there's honey, but there are giants. Let's keep going. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. 
Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. We are well able to overcome it. That's what Caleb said. They never quit us. Don't listen to what all the other people are saying. He said, let's go and take it. Let's go to chapter 14, verse 1 to 10. Chapter 14, verse 1 to 10 of Numbers. Let's see what happened. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. They wept that night. That's how many times we weep when we shouldn't weep. Instead of praising the Lord, we're weeping. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if we had died in this wilderness. And that's what we say. We hear people say things like, Oh, I want to, if I, if I can just die. Don't you hear people say that? Oh, I should, I, I, you know what? I should just die. You hear people saying that. So, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should become victims. Now they are talking to God. They've left Moses, they're talking to God. And this is what happens in church too. A lot of times people blame the pastors. People blame the leaders. People blame the... As soon as something goes wrong, boom, they target the leaders. Not just the pastor. Those who are, who, who, who are responsible to do things. The kids ministry. Something, oh yeah. You know, not that there's anything serious. Some little thing people just target. And then when you do that, from then they move to God. They start getting offended for no reason. Says, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Look at that. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Many people today are rebelling against the Lord. It says, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. Never quit us. See what others don't see. That's why they keep moving. They see. They have been allowed to see. Not that those didn't see all this, but they looked at themselves. The Bible says somewhere that they said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. They defined and described themselves as grasshoppers in the sight of the people of the land. And this is why you must not use the descriptions of the world on your own life. You must not call yourself a failure. You must not call yourself, oh, you know, uh, uh, what, what pe people kill themselves with their own mouth. They say terrible things about themselves. Oh, you know what? I never get it right anyway. Oh, I, 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 you know, they just say negative things and it's all over. And that's how they fertilize evil miracles on the other side. Because they are fertilizing all the time with their speech and creating an environment for failure. So let's go to choosing to never quit and we close from there. Having a total trust mindset is the essential ingredient. So you've got to make up your mind. Please say with me, total trust mindset. That's TTM. That's Job chapter 13 verse 15. Job said, I will, uh, even if he slays me, though he slay me, I will what? I will trust him. <laughs> I will trust him. That's a total 
trust mindset. This trust is a commitment to Jesus for life, no matter what. Never quitters, including their descendants, have a greater chance at finishing well. You have to make a choice to have a total trust mindset. That no matter what happens, you keep coming. You keep going. You keep being faithful. You'll be at church. You know, attendance in church has dropped in many parts of Canada. In fact, all over North America. Attendance is dropping. Why? Because people, they, as, as a society becomes wealthy, people find other toys, other things that keep them occupied. And they think, you oh, know, they don't, they don't need God anymore. But we are at a point of crisis on, our con on this continent. We need God more than ever before. Look at the level of anxiety. Do you know that North America has more depression than in poor countries? Yet, we say, well, God, stay there. We don't want you. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Don't talk to our government. Don't talk to our schools. Don't talk. We don't need you. Never quitters in a society like this are the ones who say, the Bible says in Philippians 1.6, what God has begun, the good work he has begun in us, he will what? He will complete it. He will complete it. They say so. They believe so. I am a never quitter by the grace of God. I'm an incurable optimist. I believe that if there, are, if, if there is even one person who can catch fire for God, God can do. And sometimes it takes a while to build that fire. It takes a while to cause that fire to come up. It takes a while. But if we will believe God, the fire will start somewhere, somehow. But we can't give up. We can't give in. We have to continue to press forward. I'd rather move forward. You know, somebody said the other time, I don't know who it was, one uh, great leader talked about, you know, if how, you know, uh, somebody said he was slow. And he said, well, at least I'm moving forward. I'd rather move forward slowly than not move forward at all. I'd rather move forward slowly than be stuck in one place and become a dirty pool. In Joshua chapter 14, verse 16, sorry, verse 6 to 15, I won't read it because of our time, and in, in, in chapter 15, verse 13 to 19, we see the story of Caleb, how it ends. He says, I am now 85 years old, but I'm still as strong as I was when I was 40. Give me that mountain, I'll conquer it. Moses was now dead and gone. Then later on, when he got the land, his son, his, his daughter gets married to Othniel, and, uh, and then um, his daughter comes up to his, her dad and said, you gave me land. Can I have some more? Can I have that area? Can I have, you know, she, it, it, I, I got something from that. That those who are never quitters, that power transfers to the next generation. In a time when women didn't have a voice, when women don't have a, a, an, a, a, a they don't have a, they don't have a portion as it were but the portion of their husbands. She stood up and said, Daddy, I, she, the, the father said, what, what is the matter? Why are you coming to see me? Why is it not your husband coming to see me? What's the matter? She came off the animal she was riding. I don't know if it was a horse or a donkey, but she came off, the Bible says she alighted, and she walked to her father and said, I want this particular piece of land. Give it to me. Wow. All the other women couldn't say anything. That was not the time. That was not the season in those days. But she went to her father. Why? Because her father was a never quitter. She saw the spirit in him. She grew up in the home of one who never quits. Friends, we have to choose to never quit on ourselves, never quit on God and his calling on our life. 
God did not promise us that there won't be difficulties. He didn't say. Actually, he said that there will be crooked paths. I actually talked about the four environments. You know, he talked about going through the fire. He talked about going through the water. He talked about the crooked path. And he talked about uneven ground. He talked about the mountains, leveling the mountains, straightening the crooked path. And friends, today I want to assure you that whatever you have been through, whatever difficulties you may have faced in your life, they are all adding up for a great downpour of miracles in your life in Jesus' mighty name. You know, I recently realized something. That the Bible did not say that uh, uh, my people perish for lack of prayer or lack of fasting. He said my people perish for lack of knowledge. In fact, it's important for us to fast. And ask God for wisdom and knowledge. Because sometimes we think this is the problem. We are praying, God, deal with this problem, deal with this. And God said, no, that's not the problem. Listen to me so that I'll give you insight. When God opens our eyes, we'll see and we'll have understanding in the, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. My prayer for you today, my prayer for myself, my prayer for our church, is that we never lose sight of the goodness of God. Is that we continue to march forward no matter what. Now, the enemy is going to come and lie to you. I want you to say with me boldly, loudly, and say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I come against your lies. I do not believe your lies. Jesus is the truth, and I believe the truth. And I know, I will know the truth, and the truth sets me free. Very important. See, every day, you see, the enemy, you see, the enemy has stamina. To harass. But we have stamina. To overcome. Hallelujah. So the enemy cannot outrun you. Because greater is he that is in you. Than he that is in the world. Now the enemy is not the ancient of days. He's a spirit. He and his minions are spirits. But you also have the Holy Spirit in you. So if you are to go on a marathon. Guess who will win? You will win. That's why you must be a never quitter. Because if God never gave up on you, why are you giving up on God? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You say, but it's too hard. No, you said it was too hard. You should say from today on, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Once you make up your mind that way, once you believe, that, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spite God. I'm not going to say, never say anything negative towards God. I mean, God is not going to strike you dead like in the Old Testament. But don't say that. Because it's, there's power whichever way you go. So I'd rather say in my difficulty, I know you will make a way for me. In my hardship, I know God has turned things around. In the, when doors are closing, I know God has opened the way. Friends, God has made a way where there's no way. In, it may not look that way, but I hold on to the truth of the word of God. Nothing will stop me. Nothing will stop you. We are never quitters. Say that with me. I'm a never quitter. I may never quit her. I cannot go back. Hallelujah. I can only go forward in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. See, nobody can stop you. You are the only one who can defeat yourself. When you decide that you are defeated, you are defeated. If you decide that you are not defeated, you make up your mind. You decide. You make a decision to win. You say with me today, I make a decision to win. <laughs> and win I will in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. He's faithful. He's powerful. He's amazing. Hallelujah. Father, I know there are people here who are going through a lot of things in their lives, but I want to stand today and declare that they are more than victorious in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I want to declare, oh God, that you are making a way where there's no way. I want to declare, oh God, that where things are difficult, where things are, 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 are you know, where it appears that there's no door open, you are opening a door and you are bringing uh, 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 joy. You are giving them uh, the oil of joy. Uh, 
for the garment of heaviness. You are giving them the spirit of praise. You are uh, oil for, of, of joy for mourning. Lord, you are bringing a new day. Thank you, Father, for all that you are doing. We give you praise today. Please lift up your hands while your eyes are closed with me today. Let's worship the Lord where you are.